Hi, I'm Evan Chung, producer at Sound Opinions. Today on WBEZ Presents, the strange tale of the 1976 hit Convoy by C.W. McCall. I says, calling all trucks, this here's the duck. We about to go a hunting bear. Cause we got great big Convoy is a novelty country song about a group of big rig truck drivers banding together to fight against the man on the highways. It was a massive hit not just in the U.S., but in Canada, the U.K., Ireland, Australia, New Zealand. And as you look deeper into the story of Convoy, you find that it leads down some very surprising paths involving working-class rebellion, the advertising industry, conflict in the Middle East, hamburger buns, communications technology, and Christmas music. So to begin with, who was C.W. McCall? Well, he doesn't actually exist. He's really the product of a couple of advertising guys in Omaha. Yeah, my name is Bill Fries. Uh, I'm sometimes known as C.W. McCall. Bill Fries was an ad executive working at a Nebraska agency in 1972 when he hired a young touring musician as a jingle writer. Hi there, I'm Chip Davis, composer of the C.W. McCall audio product. Job I have for you is write the uh, background music for these television commercials for a little-known bread product up in Sioux City, Iowa, called uh, Old Home Bread. Old Home Bread was a brand of hamburger buns, rolls, donuts, you name it. Bill pitched them the idea of a folksy series of musical TV commercials that had an ongoing storyline, like a country music soap opera. It evolved around a couple of characters named C.W. and Mavis. Mavis was like a gum-chewing waitress at some little tiny cafe in Pisgah, Iowa, and C.W. was a truck driver and would stop in there, and they sort of had a little love affair going on. Now, we've been every place clean here in South Sioux, and we've seen us a truck stop and waitress, too, but this gal's built like a burlap bag full of bobcats. She's got it together. Chip composed the music while Bill wrote these talking blues lyrics, and voiced the CW character himself. The commercials aired in just a handful of states, Minnesota, Iowa, Kansas, etc. But as each new spot aired and the romance plot picked up, the campaign became a local phenomenon. Fan clubs sprung up, CW fan clubs and Mavis fan club. (laughs) It was just unreal. The ads became so popular that they actually had to put listings in the TV guide as to when the spots were coming on. We struck something there kind of down-home reality. People identified with these characters. Bill and Chip decided to release the music from the bread commercials as an actual single. They recorded it at Chip's studio, credited the song to the C.W. McCall character, and put it out locally under the title The Old Home Filler Up and Keep on a Truckin' Cafe. Oh, the old home filler up and keep on a truckin' on the old home filler up. It never closes. We put that out, and within a matter of just weeks, it started getting so much jukebox play and all that. And we were, by the way, that was one of my very first ad campaigns. I got all the guys from the recording studio, got them a bunch of quarters, and we'd all go out on, like, a Friday night, run around and plug 
the jukeboxes and all the bars in Omaha and hit five plays of the same song and then hit the road and go to the next bar. <laughs> that marketing campaign apparently worked because it sold 30,000 copies in the Midwest, prompting MGM Records to release it to a national audience. Doggone if it didn't get in on the country charts, the billboard charts, number 13 or something like that. Wow! That gave Bill and Chip the opportunity to record an entire album under the C.W. McCall name of songs about truck driving. But while C.W. McCall, the character, was a truck driver, neither of the songwriters had any experience themselves. Of course, I was not a truck driver, but I am a writer and I write about trucks. (laughs) And at that time, truck driving offered them plenty to write about because truckers were key figures in the oil crisis that was taking over the country in the 70s. Here's basically what happened. In October 1973, war broke out between Israel and a coalition of Arab countries. From dawn this morning, the Israeli and Syrian armies have been slugging it out here high up on the Golan Mountains. The U.S. provided military support to Israel, which angered the Arab nations. To retaliate against the U.S., the Arab countries severely cut back on their oil exports. They will reduce oil production by 5% a month until the Israelis withdraw from occupied territories. If the Arab countries keep that pledge, it would reduce their production by almost 50% in one year. The oil embargo made gas supplies in the U.S. go way down and gas prices go way up, almost doubling. Drivers would wait in four or five hour lines just to get a few gallons, often running out of gas while in the line. And a lot of Americans saw this as evidence that the country was coming undone. have to understand the context of this is Americans living in this world where cars were like living rooms on wheels. That's Meg Jacobs. She's a professor of history at Princeton and the author of a recent book about the oil crisis called Panic at the Pump. The early 70s is when cars are the biggest and least fuel efficient that they become because there's a sense that we don't have to worry about gas. So it's a fundamental shock to our self-perception. Gas was rationed and regulated. Johnny Cash was enlisted to urge Americans to drive less. But until the shortage eases, it's up to all of us to make what there is go further. There's a shortage of energy but not of the American spirit. But most infamously, to conserve oil, President Nixon signed a law that lowered the speed limit on all national highways to 55 miles per hour. That angered millions of American drivers for years, notably Sammy Hagar. So that's a very real infringement as Americans conceive of their rights to cheap oil and all the driving they want to do. That's a very real infringement on that sense of who they are. And it was truck drivers who felt the effect of the speed limit law the most, particularly the independent ones who didn't work for big companies or belong to the union. They had to pay more for the diesel when they fueled up. There was less of it available, and they now had to abide by a 55-mile-per-hour speed limit. And this pushed them really over the edge. So these truck drivers came up with ways to get around the law, aided by a new tool, the Citizens Ban Radio. As many listeners probably know, Citizens Band radios, or CBs, are walkie-talkie-like devices that allow you to converse with other people over certain radio frequencies. And they're small enough to fit in the cab of a truck, so truckers could talk with each other while on the go. Oh, it's clean and 
green all the way back to that uh, Route 16. Truckers constructed a whole culture around CD radios. And that caught the attention of Bill Freese and Chip Davis, the C.W. McCall musicians. Bill had gotten a CB and had it in his Jeep. And he'd, he'd tell me, he'd call me up and go, you ought to hear this. It sounds like a war going on. They're using all these unique names. They call them handles. Handles, just like in their modern incarnation on Twitter, are unique nicknames that truckers would adopt to identify themselves by on the radio. My handle was Music Man. <laughs> and like on Twitter and in chat room culture in the recent past, Truckers developed an entire CB-specific language. Breaker, breaker there, one nine. This here's a music man calling for the rubber duck. Over. Everybody said 10-4 instead of yes. <laughs> Speaking in this code, truckers used CB radios to coordinate resistance to that hated 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. They would warn each other over the airwaves of upcoming speed traps. Okay, you've got two smokies parked. But they also used CB radios to form tightly packed blocks of trucks known as convoys. A trucker would get on the radio and say to all the other nearby trucks, hey, let's all drive together as a pack. Suddenly, the truckers had strength in numbers. As a group, they could drive as fast as possible. The trucks on the inside of the convoy were completely shielded, and there was very little the cops could do. As the oil crisis went on, truckers took this convoy concept to a national level. The truckers start to warn, if you don't do something to sort of alleviate our situation, if you don't repeal the 55-mile-per-hour speed limit, roll back prices at the pump, we're going to shut the country down. We're going to bring the country to its knees. An impromptu trucker uprising began on December 4, 1973, when a fed-up truck driver parked his rig in protest in the middle of the interstate in Pennsylvania. Word of his rebellion spread to other truckers across the country via the CB channels. And before long, you had a nationwide convoy of parked trucks with 1,800 rigs blocking a New Jersey bridge, more than 100 miles of the Ohio Turnpike shut down, and simultaneous shutdowns in Tennessee, Arkansas, Chicago, and beyond. For one day, you had a completely spontaneous nationwide protest that only could have happened using CB radios, and it led to a longer, more devastating trucker strike the next month. But some truckers weren't willing to give up a paycheck and stop driving, and the truckers who were on strike retaliated against them. By literally lining up on the side of the road and sniping at truckers who were still on the move, by littering the highways with nails, these became quite violent episodes requiring that governors call out the National Guard in various states. To be clear, that's people literally shooting at moving trucks. A bomb was put in a tractor cab in Arkansas. One trucker died when a brick was dropped into his windshield from an overpass. But surprisingly, the violence didn't turn public opinion against the truckers. They tapped into the frustration that millions and millions of Americans were experiencing already on the gas lines. The public viewed truckers as romantic modern cowboy figures, bravely standing up for their own rights. And that sentiment left an opening for a song about truckers banding together to stick it to the man to become a hit. And that, of course, is where Convoy comes in. Bill was just fascinated by it as to this big movement out there in the road. We wanted to do a song that was kind of reporting on this. So Bill Freese took all the lingo he'd picked up listening to the CB channels and wrote the lyrics to a story song about a trucker with the handle Rubber Duck 
who picks up more and more trucks via the CB radio to form a giant convoy stretching from coast to coast, pursued by helicopters and the National Guard. I said to Chip, um, we got to make this sound really military-like. we got to have some horns, French horns, <laughs> trumpets, and a chorus, and uh, make a real production number out of this. Uh, Breaker 1-9, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, Big Ben? Come on. Uh, yeah, 10-4, Big Ben, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown. Come on. Yeah, it's a big 10-4 there, Big Ben. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we got us a convoy. As soon as the DJs around the country played this thing, the switchboards lit up and everybody wanted to hear it again. The success of Convoy went way beyond a single song. It kicked off a whole CB radio craze. Sales of CB radios skyrocketed, and not just to truckers, but to the general public, who were intrigued by the song and by the lingo it used. By 1979, about half of the cars and trucks on the nation's highways will be equipped with CB units. Four to 500,000 new radios were sold each month in the year after Convoy came out, including a C.W. McCall signature model. Dozens of copycat songs about CB radios were released, and Hollywood put out a slew of CB-inspired movies and TV shows, including a film version of Convoy, directed by Sam Peckinpah. Yeah, nothing but a two-bit, lying, cheating, law-breaking trucker! What the hell are you? So what happened to the musicians behind Convoy after that big success? After recording six albums as the C.W. McCall character in the 70s, Bill Fries, the ad exec turned lyricist and vocalist, grew tired of it all. So he quit both the advertising and music business. People in the business were just amazed. Well, why don't you take this another step, you know, make another well, number one record? So I'm not interested in that. Instead, Bill moved to Uray, Colorado and served three terms as the town's mayor. As for Chip Davis, the composer, he was able to quit his day job as a jingle writer and use his C.W. McCall royalty money to fund a musical endeavor of his own. I had another project going on simultaneously called Mannheim Steamroller. Yes, that's right. Chip Davis is the same Chip Davis who's the mastermind behind Mannheim Steamroller, the classical rock hybrid new age band best known for its mega-selling Christmas albums. In fact, the C.W. McCall Band and Mannheim Steamroller were the same people. We used to wear blue jeans with tails coats for the uh, Mannheim Steamroller part, and then we'd take off the tails coats and put on a blue jean jacket, and then we were a country band. And we don't think the audience ever caught on that it was the same guys. The craziness of the CB radio fad ended up petering out by the early 80s, and the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit law was ultimately repealed in 1995. But that's how we get from local bread commercials to the Middle East to an international number one single to a cultural phenomenon to Mannheim Steamroller, all starting with a couple of advertising guys in Omaha who, by the way, never really liked country music. At one point in time, I made a statement. I said, there's two things I'll probably never do in my life. One is live in Nebraska, and one is write country music. And the next thing I knew, I was living in Nebraska writing country music. It was kind of really crazy. Well, we rolled up Interstate 44 like a rocket sled on rails. We tore up all of our swindle sheets and left them setting on the scales. By the time we hit that shy town, them bears was getting smart. 
They'd brought up some reinforcements from the Illinois National Guard. WBEZ Presents is a production of WBEZ Chicago. Our staff will keep picking stuff that we think you'll love. Just subscribe to WBEZ Presents wherever you get your podcasts. And tell us what you'd like to hear. Email us at podcasts at WBEZ.org. I'm Evan Chung.